Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Good Saturday morning to you. Good Saturday morning to you, Bill. How are hey, you? Hey, I'm good, doing good. I hope you are, Jason. I'm doing wonderful, Bill. You know, doing the best we can. It, uh, time seems to be going by uh, slow? It, slow. Slow. Very slow. You know, three weeks ago seems like three months ago. <laughs> oh, I got it. You know, I am so, so tired of everything coronavirus and everything COVID-19. I, I mean, now I'll be the first to say that uh, we as a country uh, have to come together and fight this and, and win ourselves. You know, that that's, we've, we've got to, uh, you know, stay to the grind. But with that said, <laughs> you, you, you know, it doesn't matter. There's, there's nothing else going on, so there's nothing else to talk about. I mean, there's no, no sports to, to watch. There's no entertainment going on other than old movies. And, uh, and we've already seen all the old movies three times at this point. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it's, it's all... There's so little left to th that's going on other than, uh, you know, uh, the, the news, if you want to call it news. It's really not news anymore. It's just keeping up. <laughs> and, you know, part of it, I'm, I'm also just ripped about the – seems like it, uh, they're reporting on the coronavirus the way they report on politics in, in terms of – of who's ahead, what's the numbers, you know, how many cases are there, the the stuff that that is really less important than what's actually going on. Uh, there's some of that, but not enough of it in terms of the good news and and um, you know how people are really coming together. You know that that that's special when you when you see the folks who are really uh, doing their part, and, and all of us have to do our part, but there are some folks who are doing far more than others. Uh, and part of it's because they have to. It's their job, and, and they signed up for it. Uh, they didn't really sign up for a pandemic, but, they <laughs> but they're doing what they have to do. Um, and, and it, you know, it, it, there are a lot of folks out there that we don't really – uh, think about as much as we should. And, you know, we have to do our part wearing our, our mask to protect others. You know, a lot of folks don't realize that the mask is not to protect us. It's to protect, protect other people from us. And so it's, um, you know, every time you go to the grocery store, there are people there who are working, who have to restock and sanitize and, and have to pay attention to us as we come through. And, um, you know, or, you know, our police departments, you know, every, you know, the whole, everybody out there, you know, not just healthcare workers, although the healthcare workers are on the front lines. But anyway, it's, it's the kind of thing where I know um, uh, folks would like to talk about something other than uh, COVID-19. But so anyway, following suit, uh, I do want to mention some of the good things there we go. relating to this pandemic. And the first one, I mean, guess what? This is tax weekend. <laughs> Woo! 
except for the fact the good news is we don't have to worry about it. That's right. It's like <laughs> so your exam got canceled. We, exactly. Yeah. The exam got canceled. We don't we don't have to file our taxes this weekend. We don't have to pay our taxes this weekend. <laughs> what a wonderful thing. <laughs> Of course, it'll still come due. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but at the, you know, it's the kind of thing where, like you said, it, the 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 exam hasn't been canceled. Uh, postponed. Just postponed. That's right. The teacher's sick. The te- yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that, that's uh, that, that's that's good news for some of us, and of course for those folks who are expecting a refund, there is no law prohibiting you from filing your taxes. So you can that's go ahead true. and file those taxes and. And get those refunds, and and so um, I guess that's that's uh, some of the some of the good news. Now there are other things that um, uh, are good news. Um, you know, under the the new tax act, um, um, our charities and our churches are are hurting not because of the pandemic, but because contributions have um, been far less to, uh, um, and you ask why, and it's because of our tax code. Our tax code gives incentives and disincentives uh, every time Congress makes a change uh, to the tax code. Well, charitable contributions got nixed out of the mix for the most part under the new tax code and the, the reason i mean in essence uh the the incentive that was created was for uh most americans to use the standard deduction and unfortunately under the tax code um, if you use the standard deduction your charitable contributions are not deductible anymore so you don't get any tax um, incentive or credit or whatever you want to call it for being charitable. Uh, Well, that obviously has um, any charitable organization, churches, synagogues, mosques, the whole bit, uh, that has clearly affected the bottom line. Uh, Now, but for this year, because of the pandemic, uh, under the CARES Act, uh, the Congress has basically said, we're going to give you an above-the-line deduction of up to $300 for charitable contributions this year. In other words, to give Americans the incentive, recognizing that 99% are using the standard deduction now and wouldn't be able to take a deduction but for this pandemic uh, legislation. So, uh, and uh, the uh, the other thing is, is uh, not that this is going to affect most of us, but it's increased the limitation on charitable deductions, uh, even for those who itemize, from 60% of, mod- of, mod- of your um, um, income to 100% of your modified income, but it's only for cash donations to charities this year uh, for, that, for that that would be for folks who itemize and a co- so what that means is if you give your 45 foot yacht away for a charitable deduction that's not going to work unless it, you're still under that 60 percent cap <laughs> i'll keep my yacht then yeah that's important to yeah, you and me that's isn't right it? <laughs> <laughs> 
And of course, the the other thing uh, for those folks, a lot of you know, folks have heard that if uh, that the new age for required minimum distributions is seventy two, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the bad news is for those folks who turned seventy and a half last year in 2019, they still have to have a required minimum distribution. However, under the pandemic rules, uh, there's a temporary waiver of the required minimum distribution for those folks who would otherwise have to uh, pay uh, that distribution. So uh, that, uh, or I shouldn't say pay the tax for the distribution is what I, I should have said that way. So, uh, and of course, the other good news is that most Americans uh, will receive at some point, you know, I've said last week, I think, that don't expect it right away from the Internal Revenue Service, but uh, uh, a recovery rebate of $1,200, and that's for any individual um, that is a U.S. citizen, uh, has... um, you know, a social security number, and or, or it could be some a legal alien uh, will receive if their income is under seventy five thousand dollars will receive a check for twelve hundred dollars, and if you have dependents, then you'll get an extra five hundred dollars per dependent. Now, the bad news for college students uh, and for elderly folks is if they are taken as a dependent on somebody else's tax return, like the parents, then they won't get their $1,200. <laughs> so if you're a dependent uh, taken uh, by your parents or by your children, if you know, for the elderly, uh, where uh, they're providing more than half of your support and can take you as a dependent, then you won't get your $1,200, but they'll get an extra $500. <laughs> so you might have to go to them and say, okay, pay up. <laughs> Where's my money? Where's my money? That's exactly right. So, uh, But those are, um, you know, uh, and, and of course, for the most part, there's, um, uh, uh, you know, um, the services in terms of, of Medicaid there are, uh, and other issues like that, uh, there are some new rules in place where uh, they're not going to throw you off Medicaid uh, or some of the other programs, uh, uh, you know, there's a waiver of, of, of uh, those kinds of things. So there's some extra, a little bit of extra help uh, there. And, of course, um, um, companies have to, you know, there's a lot of folks who have lost their jobs. And then one of the interesting things about that is that there's increased unemployment benefits and an automatic additional $600 uh, uh, that uh, in terms uh, of a weekly unemployment benefits. Well, you know, there are a lot of folks that wouldn't normally get $600 in a week. So an additional $600 on top of your normal unemployment check, which has been also extended for an additional 13 weeks past anything else with, and they've also included part-time workers uh, and independent contractors, and they've also included um, nonprofit workers uh, that would, uh, I mean, a lot of nonprofits don't provide uh, and they can legally not provide unemployment benefits uh, to employees. Well, those employees, even if their employer didn't pay in unemployment compensation, 
they're still eligible under the new rules. So that's good rules for, I mean, g- good news for a lot of folks. Um, and then, of course, uh, some folks also know that employers are given incentives uh, where uh, they can get loans and grants to if they keep everybody employed. So, you know, there's two sides of that coin, uh, incentives to the employers, but the, those who can't keep everybody employed, then there's unemployment benefits that have been um, plussed up significantly that at least will help us a little bit through this. It, it, it doesn't help us with the boredom. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't help us with the irritated spouse or the crazy children that are very demanding and all the other things that people are having to deal with. But at least it's a little little bit of good news. And we'll get through this. We'll get through it. We will. And thank you, Bill, for sharing some good news, because that has been lacking in the, the news cycle lately. But we've got plenty that we're going to left or that we're left with to cover on the show today. We're going to get into some scams, uh, issues that you may run into when creating your own will. And also, we're going to be talking about trusts as well. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, reminding you that you can find more information about Bill at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. That's where you can find all the information about Bill, the services he provides. You can also register for Bill's free seminars. Bill, you just had your first. Uh, virtual or digital seminar this, this past week. How'd everything go? That was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, we had a number of folks who were participated, and that's uh, great. Uh, we, and, of course, we plan to um, – uh, right now we're planning to do a, an additional uh, webinar uh, the second Wednesday of May, uh, and that's because we don't think we'll be able to get back – to Independence Village to do our normal in face-to-face free seminar. Um, if we can get back in uh, in May, I think everybody will be so ready to get out of their home that we'll be <laughs> packed. But uh, that may be June before that happens, and we'll just play that by ear. But we will have uh, the webinar available to folks in May, whether we have the um, uh, the the regular seminar or not, you know, like a lot of businesses, we have to, to play it by ear. And we're, we're trying to do our part at WG Alexander and Associates. Uh, our law firm, you know, we've got half our people at home. We're, we're still open on a uh, restricted basis. We're doing a lot of uh, teleconferencing and Zoom conferencing with clients. And we're still doing signings, but like I said, on a very restricted basis and keeping social distancing and um, and making sure that things are sanitized and every you know we all of our folks who come in have to wash their hands first thing. You know we're trying to do everything we can, uh, even though we're an essential business and making sure that people have what they need. Uh, we're we're trying to to do our part. Um, in this uh, battle uh, ourselves. Well, the, now, what I w- want to talk about, and, and this is predictable, is that there are always 
uh, horrible people out there who who try to take advantage of everything that's that's going on in the world. And traditionally, we have scams this time of year uh, dealing with the Internal Revenue Service uh, and with Social Security. That is an every year kind of thing. And, and, you know, we have to warn folks, you know, that to the degree that you receive a telephone call or an email from the Internal Revenue Service, hang up. It's a scam. They're, you know, particularly when they demand money and they have to have it immediately or they're going to come put you in jail uh, or, or uh, something worse. <laughs> uh, those are scams. And the same thing's true with Social Security. Uh, they're not going to be calling you demanding money and, and the like. Well, uh, as you might expect, there are these folks uh, who are um, – Dirty players, uh, they are, have refocused on this coronavirus, and so there are a lot of scams out there related to coronavirus, which means we have to be extra special, careful in a lot of different ways. And so what's going on out there in North Carolina and around the country? Well, number one, uh, there are continuously robocalls that we all hate. And the easiest thing to do there is not to answer or hang up immediately, uh, particularly if there's a number that you have no clue where it's coming from. Just don't answer it or hang up immediately. Now, what's really wild is that there are crooks going around in white lab coats uh, saying they are from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, and guess what they're doing? They're either trying to sell you on some type of testing equipment that's bogus, or they're trying to sell you a treatment. You know, we've got a cure. <laughs> you know, and the bottom line is people think it's legitimate. You know, they're basically showing up to your front door, which, of course, they shouldn't. You know, nobody should be coming to your front door at this point. <laughs> Uh, and if it were from the Center for Disease Control, they wouldn't be doing that. You know, uh, they don't have uh, enough people to even uh, do what needed to be done, let alone come into your house. So, you know, use your mind here. Uh, now, there's supply scams where uh, they're setting up um, fake websites where, you know, if, if you think you can order – a dozen masks, it's a scam, you know, that it's, it's not there. Um, it, you know, they're, they're also um, uh, provider scams where you're getting called, where we're trying to treat your grandchild and we need money, you know, those kinds of things. There are charity scams where these folks are setting up bogus websites. Obviously, you know legitimate charities, Give your money to ones you know about, ones that you have a telephone number for, not one that you're finding on the Internet now. If you find it on the Internet now, the likelihood of it being a scam is very, very high. Uh, and you also have to know that there are a bunch of uh, new apps out there for your smartphone, and they're scams. You know, they're they look like they're legitimate. You know, they're created uh, to uh, maybe track the spread of uh, the coronavirus or something along those lines. Well, guess what? 
most of those new apps are apps that uh, have um, malware inserted into them. So if you download them, you're screwed. And so you just have to uh, be very aware. And so what are the red flags for a scam? Because, there, I mean, there's so many out there. You're going, well, there's no way I can figure all this out and know what's real and what's unreal. If somebody is calling you with urgency, you have to act now, it's likely a scam. Uh, if there if there's some kind of claim that it, you have to buy now because it's scarce, and if you don't act right now, it's going away, you won't have this opportunity again. Well, guess what? If that's the case, it's probably a scam. Or if there's some effort to make you think that everybody else in the neighborhood is doing it or everybody else in town or everybody else, period, is doing it, and you're just foolish for not going along with the crowd and doing exactly what everybody – well – that's highly likely to be a scam. And, of course, if it's a telephone call or through a website, you know, they, they try to make themselves to appear to be legitimate. They're legitimate sources. And, of course, you always have to look if you're looking at a website because often those times these illegitimate websites look a lot like, if not identical, like the the real thing, but you have to look at the address, you know, the www up at the top to see if it's off. And if it's off, you know, by a couple letters or whatever, it's probably a scam site. Um, so, um, you, and you have to be very, very careful not to click on any links from sources that you don't know. I mean, you gotta, if you don't know it, you're better off not going there. Because more than likely there's malware involved, and and if you cl- click on it, you're in trouble. So anyway, it's a it's a shame that there's so many crummy people out there who take advantage of of folks. But you you know this you don't. It's not just a matter of protecting yourself from this horrible virus. It's a matter of protecting yourself from crooks. Uh, and the worst kind of crooks are the ones that don't even come into your home. They, they attack you using email and websites, and sometimes they even come to your front door. So be careful. Yeah, whenever there's desperation and fear, these scammers always seem to pop up. But uh, that's, those are some great tips, Bill, and I hope everyone can spread that information and let people know to be on the lookout for any sort of nefarious activity like that and make sure we're protecting our loved ones who may be susceptible to falling for a scam. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we've covered a lot so far, but we're going to spend some time talking about uh, maybe the most popular legal document that uh, (laughs) people know about. And we're going to be talking about a will. Well, uh, it's funny. Uh, in a way, because a will is an important document. If if you want to control where your legacy goes in terms of your money, your wealth, or your lack of wealth, or whatever it is, but if you want to control it, 
you need an estate planning document to do it. And, you know, there are an awful lot of folks who come into our office and say, you know, we need a will. We need to update our will. And that's an important thing uh, for sure, but it always gives me a little bit of a chuckle because uh, for most of us, our, our will may be our least important document. Uh, that is, if we don't die and we're not planning to die uh, in, you know, soon. Uh, because from my own perspective, estate planning needs to be life planning. How do we take care of ourselves? How do we take care of our spouse and our family? Um, and so all of the other documents involved, and in my office that minimally is six documents. It includes a will, but, you know, I talk a lot about the advanced power of attorney and how important that is for seniors and how almost no one has an advanced power of attorney. A lot of folks have a power of attorney, but it's not adequate to do asset protection planning. So I talk about that a lot. And then a health care power of attorney, an advanced directive for natural death, sometimes called a living will, a medical release that's HIPAA compliant, and then a digital release. And all six documents are relatively important. But a lot of folks think estate planning is simply about having a will. And then there are folks out there that they don't that they do what my daddy used to call being penny wise and that dollar foolish and it's like I don't want to go see a lawyer because it might cost me a little bit of money to get my documents right I've heard I can write my own will and you can there is there are laws on the books of North Carolina and and other states which says you can write your own will. But the fact is your will is an important legal document, and there are some funky laws in North Carolina and other states as well. And if you do it correctly, good for you, uh, although you don't know what you're doing and you can't tell me that you do, uh, you will... um, Whatever you do, if you try to do it yourself, it will be inadequate uh, to to actually do what you really want to do. Uh, But the most common thing when people try to do it themselves is that it doesn't pass the test for one reason or another. And the clerk of superior court will basically say, I'm sorry, we can't probate that will because it doesn't meet the test. And so what that basically means is when that happens, then the clerk uh, says basically what you've got is an intestate estate that we have to ignore that writing that you that your decedent tried to do. Uh, and, and so what that means is, is the folks you intended to get the property won't get it. But the state always has a plan for anybody that doesn't have a will, and that's what's called intestate succession. So, uh, and success, you know, unfortunately for a lot of folks, that's, that's actually not what folks intended. Uh, we had a case just recently where that occurred, and somebody tried to write their own will. Clerk wouldn't accept it as a will, so, uh, and as a result, it has cost the family thousands of dollars 
that would it would not have cost, and the property's going to people that w- were not intended to receive the property. So um, it, it it's just a, a word of caution that that uh, happens more often than not when you try to write your own will. So, and of course, the other thing about it is is that. Most people come into my office thinking, well, we're simple folks. We just need simple documents. And what, and, and bottom line is when we tell them the options that they have that they could do if they wanted to, most of my clients actually take some of the options and they end up with something that's less simple, if you will. It's you know, In my mind, it's simple, but it's something that they have never thought about or even considered before that might be really important, and that's uh, that's true for most of my clients um, because people don't know what their options are. Another issue that we have are folks who move here from out of state, and they have wills, they have documents that are uh, done in another state. Well, fact is, is that um, all of us as attorneys will tell our clients, when you move to another state, you really need to have your documents uh, looked at again by an attorney in that state. Um, Sometimes what you have will work, and sometimes it won't. And in almost every case, we recommend updating uh, folks' uh, legal documents. And the will, oftentimes, that are done in other states are actually not sufficient in North Carolina. Now, we do have what's called full faith and credit in that from the Constitution of the United States, which basically means if a document is drawn in another state and it's legal in that state, and then North Carolina is supposed to um, uh, honor that um, uh, that document. However, there's a big exception to that rule, and the exception has to do with real estate. So if you have an out-of-state will, but you have real estate in North Carolina, then North, it's the out-of-state will, if it doesn't meet the North Carolina test, will not be valid as it relates to North Carolina real estate. I had a case like that a few years ago, a will from the state of Maryland, which was valid in Maryland, but the lady, and she actually was a Maryland resident, she died in Maryland, but she owned property in Currituck County, uh, North Carolina, uh, actually the Outer Banks, one of my favorite places. And it was beachfront property. It was property that was worth over a million dollars. And guess what? Her will was not valid in North Carolina, hence that Currituck County beach property went via intestate succession, not to the people she intended to get it. Fortunately, in that particular case, the family was willing uh, to basically transfer it to the folks who were the intended recipients. But that's a pretty rare thing, particularly when you're talking about million-dollar properties. So we were just very – the folks were very fortunate in that case, but learn the lesson. You know, uh, you know, it's it's the kind of thing where I was just talking to an attorney yesterday from Pennsylvania. Well, in Pennsylvania, a family member can actually act as a witness to your last will and testament in Pennsylvania. That's not true in North Carolina. Well, it's half true. In other words, you can have a family member sign as a witness in North Carolina, but if they sign, they can't take under that will. 
In other words, they're basically signing themselves out of the will if they were to witness a will in North Carolina. So, you know, like I said, okay in Pennsylvania, not so okay in North Carolina. So you have to be careful about things like that. Yep, they're complex laws, and uh, that's why you need a professional. You need someone like Bill to help you out, and I encourage you to schedule an appointment. Go online to WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website, WGALaw.com, or you can call the office, 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000 to schedule an appointment with with Bill. Get that will updated. Don't do it yourself. That sounds like a, a bad idea that's not going to work out the way that you intend. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680. WPTF, Jason calling here with Bill Alexander. Bill, we've covered plenty of topics today, and uh, I know you wanted to revisit one real quick, which has to do with uh, charitable donations. Well, well, this year, uh, I mean, uh, I mentioned this earlier, and I'll re-mention it again, because this is a time for those of us who have the ability to contribute to uh, uh, to helping our neighbors out through charitable donations, uh, Congress has given us a, a blessing, and that is even if you use the standard deduction, they're giving us an above-the-line deduction this year of up to $300. So that uh, is something that those of us who can afford to help our neighbor should use this year, and it's available to us whether we use a standard deduction or not. So up to $300, and and that's where we should be. Okay? Yeah, yeah, that's a, a nice little change there that can help out a lot of people. Uh, absolutely. Now I want to move in uh, to revocable trust planning because there are an awful lot of families where – Revocable trust plans really do help. They really do make a difference. Um, Now, some folks think about revocable trusts as simply a way to avoid probate and and the costs of court administration of one's estate. And yes, trusts can be useful to do that. Uh, Of course, there's a big if, and the big if is one of the biggest things I see wrong with a lot of trust planning, and that is people fail to transfer all of their property uh, to themselves as trustees. And so, in other words, they've created this wonderful document without putting their land, putting their investments, putting their bank accounts uh, over to themselves as trustee. Because a trust that's not funded, where you haven't put your property to yourself as trustee, still goes through probate and and court administration. And, of course, if everything's already in your trust, other than those kinds of assets that don't need to be in the trust, such as your retirement accounts and your life insurance and things like that, then um, – uh, you're you're really wasting your money to have a trust. It has to be funded to actually save your money, save time, save trouble for your family upon your death. And, of course, to me, 
the one of the biggest advantages with trust-based planning is that upon your death, you can give your spouse and or your children asset protection that they can't give themselves without great expense in North Carolina. And uh, I say that because I do asset protection planning for families, and if if you – uh, the easiest, least expensive way to do it is through a revocable trust that becomes an asset protection plan upon your death. And most of my clients want to protect their inheritance for their children. Uh, you know, one of the, the, the biggest uh, ways that people lose their property, unfortunately, is divorce. Divorce rate is high. And if we want to protect our children from the possibility of divorce down the road, um, then leaving their property in a trust uh, that is properly structured is the way to do it. And, of course, when you protect your children from divorce, you also protect them from creditors and predators and other issues that arise um, that can be very important to families. Well, Trusts are less important today for estate tax planning than it is for income tax planning. And, of course, income tax planning should be a part of every trust. I mean, you know, yes, I've talked about funding being a big issue. Uh, One of the other things that I see that's not in most trusts that I review is disability planning, which is a huge omission because – I want to give whoever's going to have to manage my affair when I become incompetent. Uh, I want it somebody to have instructions from me that they have to follow. They're using my money uh, to take care of me. I want to be taken care of the way I want to be taken care of. And I can leave instructions in my trust on how to do that. That's disability planning. And my trustee has a fiduciary duty to follow my instructions as opposed to just saying, here's my money, spend it any way you want. Uh, I like to have a disability plan. Okay, what else? Well, I like to have lifetime asset protection trusts for my children. I think that's really important for them. But I want to give them ultimate control of that trust. I've talked about, I think last week I talked about BDOT, trust, beneficiary deemed owner trust. That makes it so much easier, simpler for our children to manage their trust. They don't even have to file a a trust income tax return called a 1041 if they have a BDOT trust. And a BDOT guarantees that the income from the trust will be taxed at the lowest possible income tax rate. So that's a good thing, and it's still the principle of the trust is still asset protected, uh, and that's huge because, um, truthfully, for most families that just leave their inheritance to their children outright, it might end up going to the grandchildren, and it might not. It really depends on who dies first, you know, because if your child dies, dies before the spouse, then with most people's plans, they leave everything to their spouse, and then the spouse might remarry. The might the spouse may go off on the deep end, and the 
grandchildren receive nothing. You just don't know. You don't control it under those circumstances. Whereas with a trust, you can actually control who gets what's left when your child dies. And for most people, they want that to be their grandchildren. And that's really important. Well, there's another income tax strategy that I like, um, and this is a fairly new strategy too. It's called an obit. And (laughs) easy to remember, I'm not talking about an obituary, okay? (laughs) Uh, What that is, uh, stands for, is optimum basis. And we're talking about income tax basis here, which is confusing to a lot of folks. But optimum basis, irrevocable trust. So what's that mean? Well, a lot of folks know about a step up in basis when you die. That's a really important income tax strategy. And that's why for most folks, it's better not to give your property away. It's better for your children to inherit it because if you have appreciated property like your home or farm or the like, you want to have a new tax basis when you die. But what a lot of folks don't realize, and this is a perfect time to talk about it, because guess what's happened in the stock market since (laughs) this pandemic occurred? The market crashed. Well, if you bought high and your uh, property is less valuable now than when you bought it, that's depreciation. I mean, in other words, your property's depreciated. So now what a lot of folks don't realize is if you die when your property has gone down in value, there is what's called a step down in value. Yes, more often than not, it's a step up, but it's a step down. So what the OBIT strategy does is if your property has actually lost value upon your death, it retains the uh, your your old basis, what you acquired it for. But if it's property that has appreciated and is far more valuable now than when you acquired it, it steps up. And that requires some uh, language in your trust to make it work. Now, without a trust, you can't do that. (laughs) But it can be worth a lot to families to have that kind of situation. So those are trust strategies that families should implement. Uh, in a trust-based plan. Now, of course, obviously, um, not everybody needs a trust, but for those families uh, that um, want to control their property uh, and to protect their children and make sure their grandchildren receive uh, property, a trust works mighty well to, to make that happen. It's a flexible document that gives you the power to make your choices and wishes come to reality. Well, Bill, we've got to take a quick break here, but we'll be back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I want to thank all those who attended Bill's webinar. We did that uh, this past Wednesday in place of the usual seminars due to uh, social distancing. We weren't able to hold the, the seminars in person, but we had them virtually, and we thank everyone who participated. If you want to participate in May's seminar webinar, you can go online to WGA Law. 
www.mikeandrew.com. Click on the seminars button. You'll find plenty of information about the upcoming webinar on May 13th. That's Wednesday, May 13th. Uh, you can also call if you want to register, find more information, 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. We are out of time for today. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I'm thanking you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next Saturday at 11 for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a great weekend.